how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Filmmaker Elisa Dapolito started her career as an actress before she moved into commercial production. After meeting up with the leaders of Gilda's Club, the filmmaker decided to make a documentary about the iconic comedian and her cancer foundation. Gilda Radner looks back and reflects on her life and career as the movie weaves together recently discovered audio tapes, interviews with friends, rare home movies, and diaries read by modern-day comedians. The movie offers a unique window into the honest and whimsical world of a beloved performer whose greatest role was sharing her story. During my conversation with the director, she discussed Gilda's ongoing presence at her foundation, how she acquired interviews with SNL alums like Amy Poehler, Lauren Michaels, Bill Hader, Chevy Chase, Melissa McCarthy, Maya Rudolph, Martin Short, and countless others during this four-year period to bring this movie to the big screen. Well, I started my career as um, an actress many years ago and then somehow fell into um, advertising production and producing commercials and starting to direct commercials and then directing unbranded content. And at the agency that I worked at, um, we were asked to do a, a pro bono video, which means a free video, for a Gilda's Club which is a place for people with cancer that was founded by Gene Wilder and his friends after Gilbert died. And um, I just said, yes, we could do this project, and I would use whatever favors I could to make this happen. I don't know why, because I didn't really know a ton. I mean, of course I knew Gilda, but I didn't know much about Gilda's Club. And um, I started doing these videos and interviewing the members of Gilda's Club. And if you go into Gilda's Club, there's photos and paintings of Gilda, and the members would talk about Gilda as if they knew her in such a deep way, because they were going through what Gilda went through when she had ovarian cancer, and her spirit was so present. So it started off as a, the film started off as a passion project to maybe help Gilda's Club or maybe do something about Gilda's legacy with Gilda's Club. And it just sort of got bigger and bigger and more exciting and more about Gilda um, as the time went by. 
What were some of those connections with the people you were interviewing? Were they watching old clips? Did some of them grow up with Gilda? What was their initial connection before they, you know, were diagnosed with cancer or something like that? All different ranges of people. I think the one, there was a weird moment, not a weird moment, it was a great moment. Um, originally, the film, I didn't really know what the film was about. So I would just take my camera and just sort of film things. And I was filming the kids at Gilda's Club, they were programmed for kids. And this little girl from St. Lucia was drawing um, the caricature of Gilda's Club, which is the character of Roseanne Rosanna Dana. And I said to her, um, and she was about six or seven years old, I said, Who are you draw- what are you drawing? And she's like, oh, I'm drawing Gilda. And so I think, of course, the older people knew who Gilda was, but I think um, many people walk into Gilda's Club not having any idea who Gilda was. So a lot of people, a lot of times we talk with filmmakers, documentarians, they've got a very set schedule. Um, I know you started with Indiegogo. What was like your filming process like? How long did it take to raise money? How long did you actually work on the film and shoot interviews, that kind of thing? Well, it was, the whole process was four and a half years. And um, the seed money did come from the, the beginning of the project. The seed money came from myself and a donation from Gilbert's brother. And then once I raised um, the money, the $55,000 on on Indiegogo, it gave me an opportunity to shoot more and edit more. But I was always shooting and editing at the same time. It um, It took a while to get people, to gain people's trust to talk about Gilda. So each person led to another person. So I would interview a person, and there's a lot of um things you can apply to if you have a 10-minute um, you have a ten minute cut. So we were constantly editing as we were doing interviews and we were searching for more and more um, archival material of Gilda. How did you first kind of start to reach out to, you know, some of the celebrities like Amy Poehler and, and SNL alums that are in the video? How did you kind of first get those relationships started? The first person I interviewed was Ellen Flippel, who was Gilda's writing partner. And then I interviewed um, her, her closest circle of personal friends. And then little by little, I think I got Paul Schaefer, who led to um, Lorraine Newman, who led to, I'm trying to think of who else. But it wasn't until, um, and of course, for all these years, I was trying to uh, connect with the modern-day comedians from who were inspired by Gilda, which had a really long list. And so Amy Cohen was the first person to come on board, and that was pretty late in the process. And once Amy came on board, it really brought um, all the other um, amazing people inspired by Gilda. But it was a process. It was, uh, you know, it wouldn't be like, it's almost like four, four years of editing. I mean, four years of shooting over a period of time and four and a half years of editing over a period of time. I know uh, a big thing about the trailer is that you uh, were given one of her diaries to read. What, what, kind of, what was something else that might have surprised you while researching the film or digging deeper into her life? One thing that's not surprising is that Gilda was always funny, and she was beloved by everybody, including all her personal friends. So that was sort of, there was nothing, no secrets about that. I think when... I um, had access to her personal diaries that I didn't really, nobody spoke to me about 
killed with eating disorder. Or if they didn't, it was they didn't really know the intensity of it. So she kept a diary from 1978, which was at the height of her fame. She had just, I think, got an Emmy, and she was on the cover of all these magazines. But she checked herself into a hospital for her eating disorder in the 1978 and kept a a diary from that summer and through the fall. And I think that's what surprised me so much is that Gilbert is such a happy person on the outside. You see her performances, and meanwhile, she has everything going on, but she has this eating disorder, which is like her real secret. Even though she tells everybody and she makes fun of it, nobody, I don't think, knew the the intensity of what she was going through. So that was actually the most surprising and also the most heartbreaking. Giddle was obviously very, very talented. She broke new ground as a female comedian. Um, what else do you think it was about her? What like Was there anything else specific about her that made her such an icon in the 70s? I think on a, on a professional level, she was a very physical comedian. That was very unique. Like when I started looking at really researching comedy and even looking at modern-day people, very few have that... Um, the genius of Gilda's physical comedy. And that kind of comedy holds up over a period of time. But I think why she was so relatable is that she loved performing. She loved the audience. She loved the relationship. She loved the feedback from an audience. So I think she just, if you look at her sketches, she just looks like she's having the time of her life. Like, And she's relating to the, her cast members, and she's also relating to an audience. So I think it's something about her that was so approachable and um, I think gave a sense of, of joy in her and connection. How did some of those scenes come about? Did you make the decision to let uh, you know people like Melissa McCarthy, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, Bill Hader read from her diary? Was that something you had always planned? Did you you know, pre-establish what they were going to be doing when they got there? Or you just, you just kind of said, we're going to be talking about Gilda? How did those scenes kind of come about? Well, the diary to me was always really another voice of Gilda's, a voice of, um, of, and I never wanted an actress to like narrate it and pretend it to be to, to um, be Gilda. So I had there's some of the really intense things like when we talk about the eating disorder, we use the, uh, the graphics and we don't have any voice or sound. I didn't know how it was going to go because when you interview famous people. I mean, what I didn't want is just people saying, oh, I loved her and I want to be like her and I was inspired by her. And um, the interviews are much deeper um, how much Gilda really meant to Amy and Melissa and everybody. But Amy was the first interview and I didn't tell her about the diary. Like, I didn't really know how to bring it up because I didn't want the I didn't want her to pre-read anything and I didn't we didn't really know how it would all work. So my producer, James, said to me, well, why don't you just take out the, the journal and read some to Amy and see how she responds to this. So I took out the journal, and I said, this is Gilda's journal. And Amy was like, went, she said, oh, my God, that's Gilda's journal. And I handed, and she was like just handing it in, and she was just going through things. And I said, do you mind reading something and I had I did plan what I wanted read, but I really let each of the actors um, pick out what they wanted to read, and then I each 
Maybe I started supplementing other things that I wanted them to read. But I, but no one knew that they were going to um, see Gilda's diary, and I really let them just kind of uh, read from it and see what we got. Which was so, that was really one of the biggest surprises of how powerful um, her diary was to um, the people I interviewed. She said the, 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 you know, the full-length project, I guess you would say, was over four years. When did you start to know in that time frame, you know, like a pretty good direction of what the ending of the film might be? When did you have, or like all the pieces kind of were coming together? At what point would you say that started to happen for you? Well, I think halfway through the project, I, this was before I had any of the modern-day people on board, before I had um, the key cast members. I thought I would just finish the film as a short. And um, a powerful short of, of Gilda's sort of legacy in present day. And I asked Gilda's brother if he had any of uh, anything special, which I kind of knew he did. Like, did he have any special archival or anything that no one's seen or some special photos? And he did have things in storage. And uh, Gil's best friend Judy helped me um, convince him he should take the thing. He should take the boxes out of storage. So when he took the boxes out of storage, the first thing in Gil's book, she kind of left some clues of things that she recorded or she filmed. And one of the things in her book is she talks about her ninth chemotherapy and how she filmed it. And I was wishing hoping that that would be in the boxes. And we're talking lots of boxes with all kinds of other stuff in it and tons of VHSs. And I was going through the boxes. That was pretty overwhelming. And I was looking specifically for this this film. And Judy um, Judy just picks it out of nowhere. And it says, Gilda's this mom's chemotherapy. And so... I didn't know really what was on it. I, like, held it on the plane the whole time coming back to New York from Detroit. I took it over to get transferred, and I said, I have to, I have to, um, oh, no, I took it home and put it in my VHS, um, and I saw Gilda in her hospital, her hospital gown, and I immediately, like, turned it off because I was like, I don't want to ruin this, and I took it over the next day to get transferred, and I watched this, they transferred it, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Gilda. It's, I mean, it's it's a little bit in the film, but it's a 20-minute film that Gilda wrote, made, of her ninth chemotherapy that Jean um, shot and Jean was in, and it was just, I was like, oh, my God, this is something, this is something. I mean, so there's there's audio tapes, there's interviews, there's conversation with friends, celebrities, home videos with Gene Wilder. Um, you may have been whittling down the whole time, so you were, might not know this answer offhand, but like how much footage do you think you had that you went through, and how did you dwindle all that down uh, to one movie? Well, we had the interviews, which were the interviews at that point. Once we started getting the real audio tapes of Gilda, and the um, home movies and friends started going into their locker. That was really the 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 most that we could find of the home movies was the most important, or probably the most important was the audio tapes. So the audio tapes, there were several different kinds of audio tapes, and 
uh, I would say about 60 hours of audio tape. Most of it being, some tapes being, they were done from different interviews, so some were very clear. And then some, most of them, most of the 50, most of, I would say 80%, 85% was extremely damaged and had all kinds of different audio issues like warping. So that was the, that was really the weeding down of how could we get Gilda to tell her life story with the audio that we have or we can find. So that was really the, that's the basis, the backbone of the film. So that was the hardest thing. And then we tried to use, like, when we go through her, her, her Saturday Night Live time, we found all the pieces of, the, of her creating her characters, the sketches that she talked about. So it was really Gilbert's audio and what we could use that was the backbone of it. So that took about two years of audio and going to so many audio uh, houses throughout the world to see who could restore it. And we found an amazing guy, Dominic Bartoli, who was who really worked hard to um, on the pieces that we wanted to use in the film to make them as audible as we could on the bad audio. Some of the audio was good, so that was kind of a um, a challenge. So the, you know, the films uh, Alex, you've had the premiere. Do you feel like this is the beginning of something else? Did you get any inclination that the people involved, uh, her brother or anyone like that, wants to do? more or try and share more of her story, writings, videos, whatever, with the world? Uh, yeah, I think this is the beginning. We call Gilda the gift that just keeps on giving because in her, um, Gilda's brother has been the number one supporter of the film in every way. Financially, he, he and his family and friends were very helpful and donated a lot of the initial money before CNN came in. Um, for all the finishing funds. So, um, yeah, there's great stuff. There's short stories. There's um, just so much. I mean, there could be a whole Gilda Radner museum out there. So you initially asked for a certain amount of money. At some point, she considered just making it a short. Uh, I realized you're kind of just digging deeper and, and getting wider. Did you ever feel overwhelmed, or do you have any advice for you know novice documentary makers who are finding themselves in a situation where... You know, is this ready, or do I need to keep adding to this? How did you kind of know you need to keep going? Um, yeah, it was overwhelming. All of it was overwhelming. Um, every piece of it was overwhelming. Overwhelming, can I get this interview? Overwhelming, uh, well, how am I going to get money? How am I going to live? Is anyone going to care about the film? Is it going to be good? So it's all, all the pieces were, you know, raising money for Indiegogo was it extremely stressful. But all I can say, I guess my advice is, if you're really passionate, and almost every filmmaker that I've met out there, it's really documentary filmmaker, is so passionate about the subject that they're doing a film on, I would just say every day you just keep going. You always do something for the film, you know, that you can, even if it's something little, and not put, you know, just keep going. Um, And... I don't know. It worked out for me, but um, there were uh, there were a lot of hard times, you know. I mean, everything is so good right now. It's hard to imagine the hard times, but there were a lot of. Uh, I mean, it was two years of really seven days a week, fourteen hour a day, 
um, working on the film. Well, it looks like, you know, I'm sure when people see the trailer, they're probably going to think, well, that's a great idea. I bet, you know, like someone like Lauren Michaels produced it and they don't know the whole story behind it and everything. But definitely congrats on the film. I've just got a couple more for you. I've read that uh, at some point, in addition to these short stories, you found possibly a screenplay. Is that something that's true? Is that something that looks like it might? What's kind of the backstory of the screenplay that she wrote? Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the things is Gilda wrote a screenplay. So I'm working with um, Gilda's brother and um, my agent to sort of figure out um, who could, who would be interested in it. But it's pretty amazing because it was, no one else seems to have had a copy of this. And Michael didn't even know he had it in his boxes. And it's about, um, it's very kind of autobiographical. It must have been during the time that Gilda was with Gene Wilder before they got married. And it was about a woman who, um, anyway, it's a great, I don't know if I want to give it away, but it's like a really good, good, and it, it, it's, it's just a find. Um, but thank you for bringing it up because I totally forgot about it for the last week. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, so there's, and there's short, story, there's short stories in there that could be made into little films. So there's a lot of really, and I, I don't think this is going to be the last project of, of Gilda's. Well, thank you for your time. I, I, know you've, um, I know you've been in commercial work for some time. Like if people look at your IMD page, they may not see a lot they recognize. But do you feel like this is in your own career, maybe outside of Gilda, do you think you're going to keep moving forward with other film and television and what, what might be next for you in addition to possibly working on this screenplay? Well, I mean, this has been a great experience. So I am looking for the next, the next project. And I have a couple that um, I'm thinking about or what I really want is something very, very similar in the sense of really having the archival, a unique archival voice inside a movie. I'm not that interested in doing a film where there's nothing except people talking about somebody, but I do. So what, to backtrack, I do love um, biographies and I love characters. So I am looking for the next project, which would be an amazing person whose story just needs to be told. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else you want to say we haven't already discussed about the film? One thing, the film has been, we've been going to a lot of festivals and and um, our crowd has mostly been people who remember Gilda from watching Saturday Night Live or remember her story of what she went through. So I would love to be able to introduce Gilda to a younger audience. And the time that we've done the film to college-age people or if there's a couple of young people in the audience, they really, especially... Um, uh, girls and women, young women, uh, her spirit and her story seems to resonate with them. So I'm really hoping that this film can reach a, um, a broader, younger audience in addition to um, the people who know and love Gilda. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. 
In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.